Hey guys, don't forget the 2023 Street Cop Training Conference, Nashville, Tennessee, April 23rd through the 28th. You do not want to miss this so far. Guest speakers, Rob O'Neill, the Navy SEAL that was responsible for killing Osama bin Laden. Kyle Carpenter, U.S. Marine, Medal of Honor recipient, jumping on an IED to protect his platoon. Fox News host Tommy Lahren returns for 2023. Sheriff Wayne Ivey, Sheriff Mark Lamb, Sheriff David Clark, and more to come. You don't want to miss this event. We additionally have 20 of the country's top law enforcement educators giving you the best experience of your life. You will leave this event knowing more about your job and how to be proficient at the things that you do, hands down, than any other event that you'll ever attend. I personally guarantee it. Don't miss out. There's a room code at streetcop.com for our room block and room code at the Gaylord at Opry is where the event's taking place. Don't miss out on a discounted rate. The rate is from Sunday to Thursday. Put that in and find yourselves at a half-price room. Split it with a friend, but make sure you get there. You don't want to miss this event. It is going to be that good. If you trust me and you trust Street Cop, trust that you will leave there feeling like you've had an experience of a lifetime. Welcome to the Street Cop Podcast. I'm Sean Grogan, the instructor for Unmasking Hidden Facial Expressions and Body Language for Law Enforcement and the author of the book, Beware the Body. Today, I'm here with Shane Morgan. I'll let you introduce yourself, Shane. Hey, how are you? My name is Shane Morgan. I'm the instructor for Flipping Informants. It's a class here at Street Cop Training on cultivating CIs on basically what I would say the first few minutes up to the first two, three days of working with a brand new informant, cultivating them, you know, flipping them and getting it to stick, having them follow through when possible as a CR. So Shane, we've talked about narcotics work a decent amount whenever we talked. Sure. Both of us spent years doing narc work. Yes. Which you find a lot of it is nonverbal communication. So we're going to go over some of that today. Definitely. Start off with nonverbals when you're dealing with informants. What are some of the things you look for to see if someone's full of shit or if they're trying to get over on you and just push the charges and just delay the time where they have to go. Exactly. So I like to establish a baseline with them or just watch them for a while. There are questions that I'm asking, I cover in class where I'm people are going to have different personalities. So to me, there's a difference between somebody that's completely shut down, that's just not receptive and somebody that's just hearing me out. So, and a lot of this is to chime in on things I've observed from you or picked up from you. Um, the things like the, the, the crossing of the arms or avoiding eye contact, things to me where one or two of these things may not necessarily mean they aren't being truthful or not being receptive. However, as, as you would say, a cluster or them all together, I'm starting to realize that this person might not be willing to do the thing that they've been conditioned not to do for years. And that is not to speak to the police when they're when they're asked not to not to be a don't be a rat. Don't be a snitch. Don't be a tattletale. What about some of the things, you know, when they come up and you're dealing with informants and you're like, oh, they're high. Are they sure. even going to are they even going to be able to do the buy and do what I need them to do without straying, getting, you know, going other places you don't want? Exactly. The, I mean, the things you look for, where are some of the things you look for there? So like signs and symptoms of use of a drug, which could be a myriad of things. Obviously, the easy ones, the constricted pupils, the pupils yeah. that don't change uh, to, to light or the dilated pupils. Same thing that they are just not changing. Our, our pupils are supposed to change as light changes, what, whatever. Um, dilated pupils on stimulants, constricted pupils on on the depressants, on the downers, on opiates, etc. Etc. The, the rapid rapid breathing. It, I mean, there we could go on for days for that. We are trained the same basic things we were trained for in the police academy to identify someone that has the ill uh, or the adverse effects of drugs. 
it would, it would carry into gauging someone as a CI. That being said, if I've identified you as being high as a kite, I'm not going to put you in an operational setting. It is not, it is not appropriate. Uh, we typically, you wouldn't want to complete a buy with somebody that's high on drugs. So, um, so yeah, to, to answer your question, yes. I, I love you bringing up the pupils right away. Cause that's one of the things you always look for is with the opiates, you get those constricted pinpoint pupils. And there's also, you get movements with pupils as well. I go over in class though. Average pupil diameter is 1.5 to 9 millimeter in diameter, mm -hmm. right? Wow. And there's experts out there. If you read books, podcasts, articles, they found that when people are aroused sexually and emotionally, very often it'll dilate. And then it'll constrict when people see things they don't like, wow. which is interesting. But it only goes 0.5 to 1 millimeter wow. in that 1.5 to 9 millimeter range. And everybody's like, oh, you can see Who's going to see that shit? Look at my eyes. Can you even see my eyes? <laughs> Let me get eyes? my tape measure out here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you could you have later eyes. I'm still not going to see that. You're sure. sitting right in front of me. Yep. To me, it's just like a fun fact. It's exactly. not It's not <laughs> something you're going to use. If you've got the eagle eyes, you think you could do it. Yeah. But the pinpoint pupils are something that constantly, you're dealing with somebody, you look and you're like, wow, why are those pupils so pinpoint? Even someone with ship brown eyes like mine <laughs> that are just dark as hell and you could barely even see, sure. you would notice that in the right lighting setting, we'd be like, okay. And a lot of times you'd look at, I'd look at my partner, like, okay, how do their pupils look in the same light? Yes. You know, and everybody's different. There's, there's other, I was reading up, there are medical conditions that could cause this too, mm -hmm. but. Just like the HGN on the road of the field sobriety tests. We always hear about those people that are exempt from that, the, you know, the, the, the shaking of the eyes. And there are those people that it won't apply to, so it's not technically bulletproof, but exactly what you're saying. Yeah, oh, 100%. You're gonna, but if I see that and I deal with someone and you got track marks, sunken in face, the smell of, we talk about nonverbal communication when you're thinking body language and facial expressions. Sure. Do you know the smell I'm talking about? When you're the smell on, of a heroin addict and the, like in the cars even? Sure. Now, I'm not talking about all the treats on the ground and the, the, you know, the gummy bears have been sitting there for three months. I'm talking about that smell that seems to come out of the pores. Mm. So my mom was a bank teller, and, I mean, years ago, and she told me that um, a long time ago that they, you get training for identifying counterfeit bills. But the best way to counter, and identify a counterfeit bill is you deal with a real thing all day long. And then you get that one bill when you're counting and, it, and you, something does not feel right. It's no different than uh, dealing with somebody that's on drugs. We are used to dealing with each other, dealing with uh, people in public. And then you encounter that person that just uh, is acting differently or exhibiting any of the things you're saying, the physical things or the smell, things like that. Well, up, oh, you know, now the hair is standing up on the back of my neck. Why is that? What what are they doing that's causing me to feel that way? Something's different about this person and why. And, why. and the, the, the nail on the head right there with feeling a certain way, like the art. But to be able to articulate it to yourself after the experience. You've had yes. the years, I've smelt this before, I've seen this before. Every time I've seen this, or 90% of the time I've seen this, yeah. someone has had heroin on them. They've sure. had fentanyl, they've had oxy, they've had something. It's just that the be able to articulate it to yourself sure. helps so much more. And can I say, looking back, so I've been on the job, I started in 2008. In 2010, I believe it was, on the road, it came across somebody, it was a petty call, uh, came across somebody, and it was, uh, the, the, to, at the time, I was not as good at picking up on the the body language, the the different characteristics. Looking back, the pupils, the the uh, rapid touching the waistband, things that things that should have alerted me to this person, just being the disheveled state. Um, ultimately, on a Terry frisk, I wound up getting pricked by a needle stuck right in the meat of my hand, uncapped oh. meat needle bent at a right angle through this person's oh. pants right in my hand. I had to take the anti you know HIV meds. We didn't know if this person uh, for for days had any kind of disease, hepatitis, anything. So I had to take uh, take these things. 
and affected my body. I talk about my class, the ripple effect, like the ripple effect of that person's actions, like affected me, affected my family. It's something that I could have had an adverse effect on my body for the rest of my life by taking these things to wipe out anything. So essentially looking back, I wish I kind of knew what I knew, know now back then, because maybe things could have been, uh, could have been different. Maybe I like to think that I played things out the right way that night. Maybe I would have made an extra step when I did do the Terry Frisk, um, they, maybe I would have done something differently when I picked up on that. Yeah, yeah. How how that was a cocktail symptom? Terrible. After. It was like the flu, and they gave you an automatic like number of days. Uh, the the workman's comp person called me and said you have up to this many days to take off when you need them because they were saying like you're going to need them. I didn't wind up taking any, but it was it was terrible. It was like just the flu on steroids. It was terrible. You yeah. went in after the cocktail to work? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, wow. Yeah. 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 Oh, and man. and uh, blood tests for a year and all that. It was I mean it's terrible and all all for somebody's choice of addiction. If you're making that choice, that's fine. But you are affecting other people while you do that. You know, and, and uh, you know, like I said, if looking back, I wish I could have said, hey, young man, be, be a little more careful with yeah. this or something's not right. OK, this is not your normal situation. Maybe maybe take a step back and do things a little slowly or differently. I don't know. I mean, that being said, it was an uncapped bent needle sticking through the person's pants, padded the pocket. I didn't even put my hand in the guy's pocket and it and it happened to me. You know, so. Uh, yeah. Uh, hey, but hey, look, I'm better, better for it looking back. <laughs> I had a situation where I had one and I was wearing a glove mm -hmm. and it wasn't, you know, the hardened glove. It was one of those like um, orange ones, you know, sure. like the vinyl, whatever. And we had a box of like, you know, junkie paraphernalia just like yeah. you know like all this stuff in there and i for some reason I was instead of like pouring i think i might have poured it out but at some point i went to go like you, you got to separate it i probably yeah. should use like a ruler or something mm. and i reached and i felt something and i was like oh shit and i lost my mind took the gloves off and i'm like looking i'm like all right i don't see blood but i'm paranoid too i'm yeah. a paranoid freak so i'm bugging out and i threw the gloves in a garbage can that had all these other gloves yeah uh, one of the guys I work with, they took the glove, filled it up with water to see if there was a leak. Still went to the hospital because you just never know, no, right? You yeah. just never know. I went to the uh, hospital with my hand in the air the whole way. I didn't. I mean, at the time, it just felt right. Like, I don't know. Like, something yeah, happened yeah. up here. I'm gonna, I don't know why I did it. It didn't just, help. I take the needle <laughs> up because thinking they could test the thing. The nurse sees it. He tosses it in the sharps container. So what's this? He he's, I'm like, I don't know if you could test the thing. Tell me if you got Oh, we can't tell anything off of that. So it throws the evidence in the sharps. I'm like, oh, seriously? Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a terrible, terrible experience all the way around. So the next thing I want to really talk about is why North Jersey and Central Jersey is so much better than South Jersey. If we could go into that for a little bit. This podcast's over. <laughs> <laughs> Guy gets offended. This is what happens yeah. in South Jersey. They eat hoagies down there. Yeah. They got, what do you guys call it? Pork, Pork roll? roll. It's yeah. Taylor Ham. Everyone knows it's Taylor Ham. The rest of the country is like, what the fuck are these two? I have no problems with about? North Jersey. I have problems with Central Jersey trying to branch out from North Jersey and become some. It's it's Central and North. They're the same. It's, all, it's North and South, man. It's like. <laughs> so the next thing I want to talk about if. You tell me some of the things sitting surveillance. Like, what are some of the nonverbal cues you're looking for if you for you know drug deals, meetups, and, and things of that nature? So there's a lot there. Um, one one thing I would say is you've already talked about identifying a, a drug addict if they're coming up to, to do a buy high. Um, there, why would we take it's the same principles apply to them? You might not be able to see the little things like the pupils. However, the way they carry themselves, things if somebody is standing around waiting, like let's say if you were trying to work a case cold, somebody's standing around waiting focusing instead of everybody going out and trying to find the drug dealer, everybody wants to find somebody dealing drugs, start with the user. So you find a user pacing on their phone, checking, looking around. We call it the shoulder check. I think the shoulder check, although it can apply to many different things, even like, uh, like maybe running around on your spouse, whatever, like a lot of people's shoulder check doesn't have to be drug related. A totality of all of these though, following that person to ultimately to a drug dealer. Um, 
and, and working a, working a case like that. Just li little things like that. Like, why is this person pacing, looking at their phone, looking around like they're watching for somebody? What are they waiting on? Yeah. yeah, at that point, because you're probably not waiting in a uh, in a ShopRite parking lot for a uh, Amazon delivery or something like that. You're probably who else would want to meet you in a public place like that? Oh, 100 you know? percent. Yeah, exactly. that's a milling around is huge. The second part about the uh, about the buyers is sometimes dealers will get lazy and they'll stack up their their buyers and you'll see a group of people not maybe like huddled up like they're waiting for like a ticket drop for a concert or something but you'll see people on a park bench here a bus stop there but all doing the same thing like is this person now stacking buyers uh, for so it's kind of a collective like a herd of uh of uh you know seagulls <laughs> yeah, that's a good point yeah, yeah. that's a very good point because not everybody there is like what are you doing you see a couple millers like sure mill, i say millers I mean milling around yeah. that's not even a word but i like to make up words every now and then can i tell you i love too that we can't turn this off so I'm in Texas a couple weeks ago, or two weeks ago for a class, and I'm behind a guy in the TSA line, and he's uh, talking to somebody, uh, like whispering, kind of like, it was just strange, but talking to somebody uh, outside the TSA line. I'm like, why is this guy, they're not like romantic, they're not like, I don't know, it's just strange. It's almost like he's getting instructions from this guy. So follow, okay, whatever, I know, I remember he's wearing, carrying a black backpack. I see him leaving a group of people, like once we get through security, without it, without the backpack anymore, and I'm like, wait a second, this, why is this guy, you literally just can't turn it off. No matter where you go, yeah. out of your area of responsibility, it just literally follows us. Once you start seeing things, these body language, the, thing, the things that you start picking up on on the street, like it, it truly follows you everywhere. There's no turning it off, even though you may want to turn it off every once in a while, you know? <laughs> oh, hundred percent. It's like yeah. r running plates. Yes. And anybody here that's ever ran a lot of plates in patrol or doing surveillance, how many times are you off and you're looking at the plate in front of you and you're reading it? And you're like, I don't want to fucking read this. What are I'm off now. Yeah. Why am I reading this thing? You know, mm -hmm. it's, it just doesn't make Inspection. sense. Like, is that guy wearing a seatbelt? Yeah. Why is the guy in the passenger seat and his girl's driving and he doesn't have a seatbelt on? Is there, you know what I mean? Like the thing. <laughs> yeah. And why my major thing is, and this is very what's the word i should look like probably location dependent mm -hmm. if i get someone walking up a state highway walking down the state whatever you want to call it walking sure. up or down the state highway why are you walking down the state highway in new jersey because mm -hmm. in new jersey everybody's got a car for the most part unless you're in the city part yeah. and i'm not saying everyone walking down the state highway is a criminal however usually most people are going to drive from point a to point b down the state highway they, they're staying at a ship motel and they've got no license. Why don't they have a license? You're in New Jersey. This isn't Copenhagen, Detmark, where you're driving your bicycle around everywhere. Yeah. You got to have a car to get play. Well, maybe not in South Jersey. I don't know what goes on down there. <laughs> maybe you got your horse and buggy down there. It there is what go. it is. But your state highways. Yes. Why is someone milling up and down the state highway, mm -hmm. walking places? Well, that's what they're doing, right? They could be, a lot of times, it's the dealer as well. Because they're like staying out of the motel. Mm -hmm. And they're going from point A to point B. Yeah, waiting on the drop. Exactly. It's the same thing on the flip side. Like if you do happen to see someone, let's say a dealer meet, beat, beat somebody to that spot or um, just following just a certain body language. No, no different. Just the sitting back parking. I mean, we talk about body language. What, what is the and there's about five different street cop classes that talk about the a vehicle and watching th playing off of vehicles and the, the way they operate that thing. So parking at a busy area, but not getting out. And then we see the foot traffic in and out, the, the quick meets. And then that person that waited forever is gone, you know, yeah. um, like what they so. So obviously the, the action didn't start until this person this vehicle showed up no matter what we can't even see inside the car could be a tinted rental car whatever it is can't even see inside the car next thing you know that person beat feet and you know just just playing off of that for sure yeah i love the way you talked about the, the shoulder check too because like when you really think about who looks around in public mm -hmm. cops criminals victims yep. or former victims of crimes mm -hmm. everybody else walk around staring at the cell phone doo -doo 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 -doo, not looking clueless. around yep, clueless clueless yep. if you're 
like I said, cops, criminals, some former military too, especially those who have been in combat zones. They're mm -hmm. a little bit more situational awareness. But if you look at your average citizen walking around, they're not clued in to their, they don't have that situational awareness. No. They're not looking around. So if I get someone, especially just milling around in somewhere, all right, you got someone that's getting out of the car, walking into the gas station, looking around. Okay, that's someone that probably has situational awareness. Sure. But if you've been walking around five, ten minutes, milling around the area, looking down for the, the cigarette butts, you see that, I'm sure, that sure. Like, it's to go smoke cigarette butts off the ground and mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. Absolute madness. Or asking people for money. Everybody walks by asking for money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. What are you using that money for? They're not going to buy... I don't know. They're not going to go buy meals, most likely. Yeah. They're going to buy heroin. And that's another thing you see all the time. We talk about nonverbals. And I'm not saying, you know, there's other people that are just unkept, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. But how many times you would see the, like, candies and stuff real quick. What I found, a lot of people that have the, the heroin addict problem, this is not, I'm not going to say all heroin addicts do this, but you see a lot of them, they spend the money on heroin. Mm. So they're not spending money on good meals. They're not going, oh, I want a nice, nutritious meal today. Sure. So you get those wrappers all over the place. You get a lot of the gummy bears and the, but all this candy and like Kit Kat wrappers, and there's just strewn all over the inside of a car. Sure. And it's like, oh, this is interesting. It's yeah. going to be a red flag for me. I'm not going to, that's it. Get out of the car. Give me your heroin. You've got gummy bears on the ground, you know, but. When your addiction takes the front seat, everything else is secondary. So hygiene or your or cleanliness. I mean, that is, and like you said, smell, a lot of that is indicative of somebody not taking care of themselves because everything else is taking a backseat to their addiction. That's that. That's the the thing driving their life at that point in time is that is that addiction. Yeah. You know? I want to I want to ask uh, you something about. We talked about uh, uh, body language of potential informants in my class, and I want to uh, maybe you can help me articulate some of these things. I try to coach people to uh, approach people to to come at someone differently than every other law enforcement experience they've ever had. How am I presenting myself? How am I coming at them physically as far as if I'm going to make the approach, if I'm going to pitch them to join the team, to, to jump on, to, to work, to be an informant, the things we can do physically. So I try to tell people, and please chime in if things that work for you or, or whatever. I try to tell people, I, when I go in, I'm introducing myself as I'm a human being. I don't care what rank I am, I'm Shane, okay? Fist bump, handshake, whatever. They know you're a cop. Whether you're in uniform or in plain clothes, they know you're a cop. Yeah. I'm trying to position myself on their level. And this is after the dust has settled. They, everything's been, everything has been deemed safe. This is not sacrificing officer safety in a controlled environment, pulling up a chair, speaking to them like we are right here. Not standing over them. Not, you know, I'm trying to gain their cooperation. I'm not trying to be that guy on the side of the road, reading them the riot act, like, no, 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 or you're going to cooperate or else because, because, uh, it's kindness. The, the extending the human side of me is going to be what it ultimately extracts that intelligence that no one else is, is extracting because from that first time informant, like what, what pointers do you have for somebody to, to kind of like bring it down a notch? So open body language, mm -hmm. right? I want to also move, when I say open body language, I'm giving you my ventral front, my vital organs. Sure. I appear more desirable and confident. I'm not coming in clothes like, well, tell me what's going on. No. Yeah. And I'm also going to move my hands a lot. They've done mm -hmm. studies as far as, uh, I believe it was the TED Talks. They looked at all these TED Talks, mm -hmm. and they found the ones that were the, the highest rated and what, most views and things like that sure. were move, more moving. The people moved their arms and did more gestures at a much higher rate. People like people when they're a little bit more animated. I'm not saying throw your fucking arms around. Like like the air girls. dancer on the they, side of the Yes, <laughs> that thing. I didn't know how to describe <laughs> it. That thing there. like, uh, But move your arms around and yeah. appear confident and open when you're talking to the person. On top of that, as soon as, if you stop a car, a cold stop, or you got the info and you saw something or you grab somebody real quick afterwards, yeah. they know you're the police, right? You already showed your badge, you're gone. Everybody else there is the police. If I'm going to pull you over to the side, I'm going to, and we start talking, 
badges away, mm -hmm. guns back under. Because in narcotics, you're not giving the gun. Sure. If you're in patrol, have the gun facing away. Mm -hmm. Put that in a report, too, if I would write down for consent to search. Sure. Because if you're showing somebody... God, you get a uh, defense attorney, might be like, oh, you had your gun towards them, intimidating, or some BS like that, which we know is shenanigans. Mm -hmm. However, why not put that in? You're just taking that away from them, number one. Number two, you're also not showing the gun to the person. Hey, listen, what's going on, man? Like, you know, I have that over on the side. You're going to be blading your body very often anyway, but as much as possible. I'm not saying doing a full prominent, like, hey, what's up, dude? <laughs> yeah. And in narcotics, you're going to cover that thing up. Sure. So you go back to covering it up. Mm -hmm. If you're – obviously, you want to have other officers around, a more safe situation. That's another – it's a whole other topic we could go over. However, I don't want to have my badge out, especially. Like, I'm the police now. Yeah. You want to work for me? But like you said, dealing because a lot of times in patrol, you – depending on the situation, you might have to drop down a little bit more authority sure. depending on what you come into. But you're dealing with somebody you want to work for you. Yes. Well, I don't want to work for an asshole. Mm -hmm. I just don't. It, yeah. just, it just is what it is, you know? That and that authoritarian, the person, like, just once again, like, finding hooks with people and finding common out, even though you may have nothing in common with this person, finding, even if we could talk about the North, Central, South Jersey, finding something we can we can <laughs> talk about. It's common ground, you know, even though we may not have anything in common, um, but showing that human side of yourself, showing the person in the uniform versus, right, you know, versus that, just that uniform, because all they will see initially is that uniform, no matter how hard you try. Oh, yeah. And that, yep. the building rapport, definitely, mm -hmm. something, obviously something you're going to want to work on yes. to get them to like you. There's one thing... Uh, uh, known as isopraxism, also known as mirroring. What it is is you put, like, if you're sitting here with the one arm like this, I would do what you're doing. Uh -huh. Now, I'm not going to do that for too long. I do it to build rapport. Mm -hmm. And after that, stop. Because yeah. then we're not going to do the fucking, the what is that, the, the hokey the pokey? Repeat, the repeater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whoa, hey, what are you doing? No. But for a little bit, there might be times where I mirror your body language. Sure. And not even completely, mm -hmm. but do it a little bit if I'm trying to build rapport with someone that I want to become an informant. Sure. Or even if someone that I just want to confess that, hey, hey, whose gum was it in a car? And yes. it's like, oh, who's gun? Uh, you know, you're playing one of those games, which in narcotics, whose was it in a car? You got three people. Yeah. You got a kilo or you got a pound. Whatever you got out of the car. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, oh, it's not mine. We know you got the constructive authority. However, we'd rather just have someone admit to it yeah. and have that for court. Yeah, which is to play off exactly what you talked about with Eric and, that, and breaking him in the box, the interrogation. Okay. Exactly, yeah. One of the things that we talk about when a lot of narcotics is just sitting on surveillance. Mm -hmm. now, there's got to be tips. That's probably not even something we should bring up here. But there's a lot of tips that I know I have if someone asked me what I used to do. Yeah. Do you go over stuff like that in class? So I try to, I definitely try to stay in my lane uh, as far as like there are street cop classes that deal with you know like narcotics investigations. You know you have you have you have Rios, you have John Cruer, the uh, you know Mike Vaccaro that do stuff like that. So I I basically stick to my flipping informants. However, without fail. Uh, speaking about informants, things may come up that apply, and you might call them war stories, but things might apply in my life or my experience or without fail. Every class, yes, majority of people that come to this class are interested in flipping CIs, doing something differently than they've ever done before. But without fail, somebody gets sent to my training course that has worked CIs for 20 years, and their training coordinator saw it, and they said, oh, we'll send you to this guy. And I connected with that person like we like we like we instantly connected for working narcotics and sharing stories and then the breakout. I think I find sometimes the networking or the lunchtime, the breaks, speaking to them about what do you do, what do we do, how do how do things work out here in Podunk, West Virginia versus in in the hood in you know outside of Chicago or whatever you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think some of the uh, that that inevitably always comes out without even even trying to. Yeah. You know, that's, long, long story short. So that's one thing. I mean, there's stuff obviously we can't. 
I just want to steer away from because it yeah. is in the classes, mm -hmm. like you said. There's some. Have you ever had the? Uh, you must have had it, but like, what are some of the things you're seeing with the counter and tell the counter surveillance, the the cleaning themselves? Also, we called it mm -hmm. up in Central Jersey, not North Jersey. Yeah. People do things uh, as a creature of habit. So you talk about cleaning yourself. So many newer narcotics detectives may see someone and oh, they're in a couple quick turns and they're cleaning themselves. One, people might just drive like jerks all the time. Yeah. Two, they probably have conditioned themselves to drive a certain way to be checking for a tail. But by by the time they're so used to doing it, they're not even looking anymore. They're just carrying themselves that way. So they're driving like that, but they, but it's not intentionally. Or in their mind, maybe they just got a rental car and they're still driving like that. But there's nobody there's nobody that knows they're in that car at this point. So they have like a reset button or a fresh mindset. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So as far as cleaning any tactics like that, and I, I can't get anything specific. Um, but as I talk about in class, the streets are always evolving. Do you know how you're going to find out about fresh counter surveillance techniques? Surveil uh, by your CIs, no doubt. See by people, by speaking to people about what are the new trends out there? Because many people will not maybe talk to you about other, other people, but they'll talk to you about trends for maybe packaging or what it's like to do a bag of drugs. Or they might say, hey, listen, watch out for the, you want a little tip, watch out for this. But the, but the people you're flipping will be able to clue you in. As far as proactive investigations, you're truly only as good as your CIs or the information you're getting from them, that fresh stuff. And I'm not talking about interdiction or putting people in this order. I'm talking about long-term investigations. You know, What am I doing to not become a dinosaur on the street and stay fresh, stay creative? It's getting information from CIs like that where, and I can't say specific things, but I can tell you CIs will say things that or to look out for this and then boom, you see, you wind up seeing them happen. Yeah. How about like social media or, you know, or even like, like surveillance aside, like social media trends. Hey, we're doing this now. You know, I started, and you started before me, uh, 14 years ago, talking about FaceTime, crypto, or, uh, or uh, but these are things that sounded like you would have been on the Jetsons, you know, they would be like, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Like, like it would, but now, if we refuse to like uh, adapt to this technology or what they were telling us, we would be obsolete. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, we, it would, so truly relying on them for these things, for the things that people are going to do to try to beat us, because people are out there right now game planning, thinking about how are we going to beat them? No, no doubt. Just like we plan and we train in street at street cop. But yeah, as, as far as like any surveillance, specific surveillance stuff. Yeah. Nothing, nothing like off the, that we could say on here, but yeah. I mean the value in for, of informants yep. and the stuff they give you, if it's a reliable informant, sure. of course. So let me ask this when you're cultivating informants, how important do you think the handshake is when you start talking to somebody or leave that person? I, I think it's really important. Um, for a few reasons, and maybe you're going to be better at articulating maybe what I'm trying to say. One uh, is showing that human side, like I'm saying, because most cops aren't going to shake your hand, right? I mean, how many people are really going to go up and shake? I mean, you're talking about some of the down, I mean, down on their luck people in society. How many cops are really coming in and shaking somebody's hand when they're meeting them the first time? Not, yeah. not many, or even a fist bump, whatever. Or two, it, it, I say in class, your emotions are contagious. So if I come in and I'm show, displaying confidence and I'm not like, I'm not being cocky. If I'm being confident with you, if I'm treating you with respect, if I'm giving you eye contact and that handshake to me, that's like, Hey, I'm putting you like, I, I respect you. I want to, I want to have a conversation with you. That's me putting them into mindset. Like, I'm not going to treat you like everybody else has, has treated you. You have my attention. You have my respect. Let's talk. You know? Yeah. Oh no, I agree. I'm just always with the handshake. Yes, always. 100%. And it's one of those things, even we, we talked about hygiene because you know, the, especially with the heroin, you, yeah. it's become your life. So hygiene takes a back, mm -hmm. back seat. And there's also, you know, people get lesions and things that sure. you, you still 
you went in there, you shake that hand. Hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer. <laughs> as soon as you're done, the yeah. hand sanitizer are always in the car. Sure. Always. And yeah. if you don't have it, you're like, hey, someone get the hand sanitizer. It is it I, I think it's it's that important to build that rapport. Sure. It's like you're treating someone like they haven't been treated before by other cops. Yeah. And you gotta come Because even if you don't have to shake someone's hand, you don't want to, especially if you're yeah. in patrol. It's like, why is this person shake my hand? I don't want to shake it. And it could be the cleanest person in the world yeah. that you're like, oh, they care. <laughs> why does this person have to shake my hands? Like, do I have to? Yeah. Even because I'm not I'm not a germaphobe. I think I'm less of a germaphobe since COVID because sure. I don't want to come off there. Yeah. But I used to go and even like just the winter season, I'm like, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get sick. I got too much to do. Always mm -hmm. in my mind. Yeah. Especially now with traveling classes. I'm like, I don't want to get sick. Sure. I don't want to get sick. So I, I would even be the one that would like pump gas at the at the gas pumps mm -hmm. and I would put a glove on to pump the gas. Yeah. Now everybody like that's crazy. I make sure no one saw it, right? Yeah. I would go pump the gas. And this was pre-COVID. Then after COVID, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. People <laughs> think I'm I'm nuts. Yep. Meanwhile, it would probably make more sense to do it after, but I was just even a regular virus or something. I didn't want to be out. Like in my house, it's a crazy. Mm -hmm. Somebody gets a sniffles or something, like, that's it. Stay away. That's yeah. it. I'm like spraying the Lysol everywhere. Sure. And I'm not that much of a germaphobe. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm going to airports all the time. I'm traveling all around. But I'm just like, when it comes to like hands and touch, I don't mean you, now you're he's probably thinking to himself, oh, he shook my hand before he probably didn't want to do that. <laughs> no, not at all. You're like Howie Mandel. Like the <laughs> <laughs> I just keep my hands. And this is one thing if you were in the military, you don't touch your face mm -hmm. as much as possible. And now you saw me, you're going to point out that, yeah, you had your hand to your chin earlier. <laughs> so now I got, but there was my left hand as well. So as much as possible, just not touching the face. I'm here giving a fucking lesson on uh, <laughs> hygiene and shit and sure. avoiding. Is there um, anything else you want to go yeah, over? I want to ask you, like, you just kind of mentioned a little bit. How much has COVID impacted your game? Like, like, like body language or people distancing each other or obviously mask or facial expressions. How much of an impact has that? Uh, what kind of curveball was that? Well, now you're looking at differences, especially in proxemics. Mm -hmm. Proxemics being the, study, the space that we keep between ourselves and space and how you're navigating it. People are keeping a lot more more space in certain areas, depending on where you're at. The masks, obviously your facial expressions, you're losing a decent amount of face. You could pretty much see eyebrows yeah. and eyes. That's it. Like mm -hmm. You can see maybe someone smiling, you see the outer corners, but is someone putting on a BS smile for you underneath? Sure. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I liked it at work. Because you could just, you could be angry underneath, you could be, you could smile, you could be laughing with the mask on. But when it comes to communicating with people, that's a lot of what we see, which is emotional intelligence. There's a lot of emotions that come through in the face mm -hmm. that if you want to connect with somebody or understand how someone's feeling, if I cover up your face, you're not going to see what's going on. Nah. On top of that, like I said, the proximic distance thing is pretty big where people keep more space. And I've seen now it seems to be less. Where, but, you know, you go in different places too. When, when the, the COVID was big, I was actually coming back from New Orleans. I had a class in Mississippi and they were, I was listening to the radio when it like just started March, 2020. 20. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I almost said 2019. <laughs> year ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was on a, I was ready to go on a plane back and it was like, you know, everyone's keeping space and space. Mm -hmm. And then I, I was only stopped classes for four months. Then I started again in Wyoming, uh, Colorado. And mm -hmm. you notice everyone kept the space when we're going on a freaking plane. We're all like right next to each other. Sure. But now that space is pretty much gone for the most part. Sure. You see, you will see individuals mm -hmm. keeping more, yeah. but you've got still, it's not what it, what it was before where it was like people were really trying to keep that space. Sure. I'm shocked. I haven't flown, flown three times in the last couple, or last couple of month or two. 
um, how how much it has changed because it was so drastic for so long. But I truly became like people got to get it from point A to point B again. And it is what it is. You know, they're getting it's it's amazing. And looking around, there just wasn't I mean, there wasn't a lot of people that seemed to be keeping obviously keeping a distance at that point. So it just it's just amazing how it changed like that. But I do think and to talk about kids or, you know, or or people on the street, I think there will be. And I'd love to hear a study someday about the effects of not being able to read each other's faces or body language, you know, things like that. Yeah. So how much, why don't you let everybody know where else you're going for, for this year, next year, what do you have planned for so for the, So for the rest of the year, I'm just playing off my own demand. And next year we have a few things in the works, possibly uh, we, we're looking at, uh, we have a North Jersey, we have a South Jersey, we have Maryland, uh, looking to go back to Missouri. We're just hammering some dates down now. But we're trying to get out there. I like to get down South at some point. I've, I've, I don't think I've ever been down South. I hit the Northeast a lot. I did a hat trick in Pennsylvania oh, yeah. last year. I loved it. I love my Pennsylvania people, man. But uh, I got to uh, meet a lot of people from all, all over there. So I, I just, I'll just i I'll go wherever, wherever I'm needed, wherever people want to hear the message, you know, and get the, get the word out, man. Keep that fire lit. Uh, we, we never know. You could be one, as Brad Gilmore says, one stop away, no different than CI. You could, you could be one interaction away, uh, you know, getting life-saving information that could, that could help somebody's life, you know, hundred percent, so, uh, just going out there and getting after it, man. Where in Missouri are you looking at? Uh, so I went to Branson two years ago. I'd like to get back there. If not that same area again, it was an ex- excellent host and a great area. I still talk to people from out, from out there for two years ago. So I'd like to, it'll be two years, uh, like in this, the fall. So I think I might try to get back out there again. Uh, is Branson the, that's, the, the gambling area yes yeah like and, well it's like the resort they have like a tons of hotel motel area eight miles from arkansas they're pretty close to kansas so it was actually a pretty cool spot because i had people from three or four different states that came to that specific class so oh that's cool i love those ones because and that's why my class is like i try to make it universal too like like if there's 50 states there's gonna be 50 different ways or technicalities case laws for dealing with a ci and i have people we've had people drive 10 hours six hours to come to class from a few states away i'm not gonna like we're talking about flipping ci's i can't get into the nitty-gritty of your specific area but i say like hey like take what i'm telling you it's universal and get with somebody that's better than you at it in the game like be a student of the game find that narc find that person that does work with them if you don't have a ci program or if you aren't good at speaking to people see what they're using in your area to make it specific to where you're at you know what i mean yeah you know because we at any given just like you know at any given street cop class you could have people from four or five different states at one spot you know 100 oh, so, especially yeah. in, in new england yeah. you bring up the the locations this is one thing that i've seen around i always ask i go what's the big drug by you is it meth or heroin until you get or fentanyl mm-hmm. sure and it, sometimes you get the combination but down South Jersey right now, is it still primarily, is it like the rest of New Jersey uh, where it's fentanyl heroin? and crystal meth, yeah. Oh, you're getting meth. You get a lot of oh, meth. Oh, a, a lot of meth. Oh, really? And, and just like anywhere, like traveling Ohio, West Virginia, it's all trickled. Whatever trickles from the, uh, happens on the West Coast or, or, or down South is going to eventually trickle to us. Something I found out recently was Texas deals a lot with the black tar heroin, which we don't get in, uh, in New Jersey. It's like, unheard, it's unheard of. Um, maybe that's something we'll see someday. I, I don't know. Um, but that, to me, to sum up, like the best thing about working for Street Cop is the networking and knowing those kind of things. Yeah. So, so I throw out there to people, what's dope? Okay, so to us, dope might be fentanyl or heroin. Dope out in uh, Missouri or Ohio, West Virginia is going to be what? Crystal, crystal meth. I called my dad and I told him we had a good, if we had told me had a good dope lockup. He's in his sixties. He, what's he going to think? He's think we're thinking about a little reefer, pot, marijuana. So dope is relative. And what is that? What is that lingo? What is that? That street talk? Wherever you are, what it, what is dope to you? Uh, same thing with with anything. But I want to know what's the what are the trends happening here? Because statistics show they're probably going to happen where where we are at some point. No no doubt about it. Yeah. Know? Oh, you bring up like what's the the trends? And that's yeah. something where I work. We never. I saw crystal meth maybe a dozen times mm-hmm. my whole career. It just wasn't up there. And 
when I go around the country, people will give me all this info. Well, if you've got someone that's very often they have markers and coloring books and they have electronics they strip down and they like to collect rocks. So I'm like, collect rocks. I'm like, what the fucking pet rocks in people's pockets? What are you talking about? Sure. And they're like, this is stuff that I'd never heard of because it's not something I dealt with there. And you bring I've never seen black tar heroin. Mm. I've never seen it. And then, yeah. like you said, Texas Midwest. They don't get powdered heroin. And that's one of the things I bring up too in class because I, I show one video where it's got the hair. I go, Exactly what you said. Dope mm -hmm. means this by us. And they have a rolled up dollar bill and an empty bag. And we talk about how the packaging, you know, wax paper folds we have. And it's pure enough to snort yeah. where, you know, I don't even know. Can you snort the black tar heroin? It's a, it's a substance, right? That's not sure. really snortable, I would imagine. I, I actually have no idea. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a thing. Yep. I, it's funny because I spoke to uh, some guys from a clan lab team in Ohio a couple of years ago. And they said that the year before, I don't want to put a number on it, but they had done a lot of clan lab breakdowns and they had processed a bunch of them across the state. To, and fast forward to that year, it was like a fraction of what they had done before since this like super method hit the scene, crystal, like pure crystal, not the home, you know, one pot method and all that, like the, the super meth being imported in and it's, it's dirt cheap. Uh, extremely high purity and nothing can compete with it. So why would somebody who was cooking things before and having things blow up on them, uh, why wouldn't they transition to something that, you know, is being pumped, pumped out here for dirt cheap, much higher purity. So once again, you ask and when you travel, any of these people out there, they might tell you, then they would still well deal, say they're dealing with fentanyl, they're dealing with uh, whatever drug, but they'll also say, man, that crystal meth is, is a big, big deal though. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. It's a tidal weave. So, so just looking forward, like, and do you have, is your class on demand? No, no, it's no. not. So you see you in person. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm, and you do two, you do, you do like it's normally two day, like one and then the other, correct? So yeah. it's two separate classes. So, so can you explain that to me? Where, is there any specific places that you have coming up that you uh, talk, can talk about? Yeah, I've got unmasking hidden facial expressions and body language for law enforcement. Usually unmasking's the first day and body language the second day. And I go this year, 2022, I'm finishing up. I think it's going to be 62 classes I've done this year around the country, not wow. counting the conferences I've done for homicide associations, other investigator associations, you know, where we do the one, two hour thing. But I'm, if you're in how an area. The, how about the time you went to Australia? I went to Australia. I got, <laughs> yeah, I got filmed for an international program and yeah, I that, did. No, no big deal. No big deal. I, yeah. Well, I've got, I've got one state left in the U.S. I haven't been to. What's that? Oh, hold on a minute. Let me guess. Uh. Uh, I don't even know where to say. Kentucky. No, it's close. <laughs> it's close. And it's close to where you brought up before. Okay. That, where you went in Branson. Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas. Wow. Only state in the country I haven't been to. So I'm hoping to knock that out. Uh, maybe spring or something. Go down to Arkansas. There you go, man. That's the last one. When I'm going, I go to Texas as much as possible. The great state of Texas. I love it down there. I've already hit. Houston area once this year, Fort Worth once this year, and I'm actually going to go Fort Worth again. I've got San Antonio coming up. I've got Georgetown, which is outside Austin next week, and Oklahoma City. And next year, I'm going everywhere. I'm going to hit every state west of Colorado. I'm talking your Montana, your Utah, your all wow. you know the whole coastal states. And of course, I've already got Texas on the book outside Houston, and I'm hoping to, hoping to do another. Five, ten times out there. Not ten, you can't, can't just hoggle class <laughs> Texas, but I'm hoping to be out there another five times for two classes each or, yeah. you know, another ten classes. Can I say, I don't, like, I love to teach, but the one day when I'm done teaching, I feel like I got hit by a transit bus. 
so you do two, and then you typically go, and you might do another two that week or another. Right. I, I truly don't know how you like how you keep. I mean, it, it, you don't understand how much it takes it out of us when we do speak, and we are really just turned up for that amount of time and putting it all out there, leaving it all out there for the students and everything, and then just to go go ahead and just do that again. Like I'm, re- I'm truly leaving it all out there, and I, I mean, I don't know how you do it, man. Kudos. Thanks. Yeah, no, and that's a, one thing. Until you start doing it, you realize you're like, I am depleted, sure. and then you go back and you're like. Man, I just like I gotta relax for a little bit. Meanwhile, you're like, all right, I gotta hit the gym. The gym's gonna have to wait an hour or two because I'm just done. Mm. And then the next day, like you said, I've a lot of times. I, you know, what I stopped doing is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. Or, I'm sorry, Monday, Tuesday, th- like four days in a row. Uh-huh. Like that's too much. Yeah. I need that day off in the middle because also you're you're the only instructor up there. You know, mm. if you go to something, if you some classes you have two, three instructors, so oh, I'll go stand over the side, I go, you know, take the break. You're not taking a break. You're no. good. and like you said, you're giving it's a, you're all it. you for it. Sure. Yeah. Would well, you say that it's a benefit? I mean, obviously it's a benefit to take I mean, it's a kind of are you doing yourself a disservice taking one and not the other? Should yeah, I believe so. Because you're going over the the facial expressions and I do some of the head there as well. Mm-hmm. The rest is the full body. I've gotten great reviews for both of them, but if I have to say one that I like more than the other, and I shouldn't even say that, what am I going to say that for? <laughs> well, I'll let you decide. You come, to, you come to both classes, you can decide. But there is one that I get higher levels, but I've gotten great feedback for both. I'm sure That's yours awesome. as well from anyone I've talked to. That's awesome, man. So yeah. thanks thanks for coming on, Shane. Thanks yeah. for me and Shane for talking about this. I'm glad we, yeah. we got to do this together. If there's any questions, my, my email is Sean Grogan, S-E-A-N-G-R-O-G-A-N at streetcop.com. Shane, if you sure. want. Sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm uh, Shane, S-H-A-N-E, at streetcop.com, which is worth noting because I've been called Sean my entire life also. So I actually respond to Sean also. <laughs> I've, I've gotten Shane before myself. I don't know where yeah. they get it from, but sure. people read it and they go, Shane. I'm yep. like, hey, the Sean Shane redemption here, man. Look at <laughs> yeah. new, new podcast alert. <laughs> but I'm also uh, at Shane Morgan SCT on Instagram. So give me a follow. Try to put stuff out about uh, upcoming classes on there. Guys, if you're in an area where you're trying to get to our classes, but we're not close to you, fret not. We actually have on-demand training at streetcop.com. You can take that course online right now, and then you could attend that training in the future at no additional cost. You can redeem your voucher. So you get two for the price of one. We don't want to deny you the ability to take this training now, especially knowing that it can keep you safe at a very minimum, putting bad guys in jail where they belong and at the maximum going home to your family. Check out streetcop.com for that offer.